What's going on? Welcome to KZ1023's Community Beat, a new podcast hosted by myself, Ross Martinez. Each episode, we take a deep dive look into members of our community, the accomplishments, the trauma, the mentors, all of it. I hope this brings light to all the great things going on in our community. Yes, at times, it may be difficult to hear, and some episodes will have some spicy language, but please don't be deterred. There's so much beauty in our stories. All right, let's get to KZ's Community Beat. Thank you for listening. They say people perish for lack of knowledge. Let's get educated. Uh, this is KZ's 1023 Community Beat. I'm Ross Martinez. My guest this week is Reverend Benjamin Nix, the pastor of St. Luke's, also a board member of PCAF, Peoria Community Against Violence, also running for city council. Yes. Yeah. yeah we'll see yeah. if we touch upon that, but I really want to know about the community. Yeah. So, like, I'm brand new. This is month six, seven. I moved in April. Numbers. So I'm learning a little bit. Uh, yeah. Kendall Johnson, as we talked about, led me to Becky Rossum, which led me to Carl, uh, Carl Holloway, and now you. Yes. And these are very intriguing conversations and dialogues we're having because I'm like, wait a minute. You know how you like it's tough to find real people mm. like, the older you get? Right. That's a lie. I've been, <laughs> I've been meeting so many cool, well-spoken, well-educated, and maybe not the traditional way. Oh, yeah. yeah. But right. I've been meeting a lot of amazing individuals trying to help with prevent, 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 well, I can't even say that word now, prevention uh, in yeah. youth, because mm-hmm. there's a big violence problem here. Yes, there is. There's a huge problem here, bigger so, than it should be. So let me start with uh, St. Luke's. Okay. Because we've been seeing other types of youth um, mentorship and, and okay. guidance with mm-hmm. uh the lead program, May I Outreach Forward Movement PCAP. Mm-hmm. But I haven't had this angle yet. Okay. I haven't had a pastor really tell me what he's seeing in the community. Ah, So yeah. what have you been noticing a lot? Like, what sticks out to you? Uh, there's a lot of things that I notice in the community. I, I don't see the cohesiveness that I would like to see. Um, in regards to what? As far as some of the church community, church community itself, um, even sometimes within the black community. Uh, I, I, I struggle to see, uh, like a one collective force. Uh, and I use that term one collective force in loose term way. Uh, and what I mean by that is, uh, if we were all on one accord, one same mind moving in one direction, we would be a powerful block, a powerful Mm -hmm. force. But we seem to have different sections, factions. Uh, People are moving in one direction, another section going in another. So we don't have the same momentum and power that we could harness if we were all doing it together instead of in different silos doing our own thing. Now, that's interesting because Becky's told me that. Kendall's told me that. Carl's told me that. You're not the first. uh, (laughs) Carl Holloway and (laughs) Carl Cannon have both told me this. Okay. Everybody's telling me this. I mm-hmm. feel like I'm hearing this left and right every week. Mm-hmm. What do we do? How can we fix that? Like, well, why? Why the, is this how it is? The, okay, so from my perspective, of course. and I've only been here three years, but my perspective is there's too many people trying to make a name for themselves instead of trying to pull the community together and move the community forward. If you have an individual that's in a position or at a nonprofit or even at a church as a pastor, um, you may have an individual that means well, has a mind and heart to do the right thing. But because they're so focused on doing their thing, they're, they don't 
consider the possibility of partnering or joining in with somebody else Mm -hmm. to build a coalition that can broaden what is done. If you have one person and you just talk about in a simple at work, you're at your job, you have one person doing one job, they Mm -hmm. do one thing and you can get so much production out of that person. If you say making photocopies, whatever that one person can make a thousand copies. But you add a second person, now you got 2,000. You add a third person, you got three. Yeah. Simple math. And I think that's what people are missing because if you bring one church together with another church and a third church and a fourth church, yeah. you know, you can cover more area, you can cover more people, you can cover more things if we come together and work together. Vice, each one of us trying to do our own thing. I mean, we might not. If we divided up the city and the precincts and say, okay, you got this area and then you got this area, yeah, we can cover the whole city. But are we productive in covering the city that way? Mm -hmm. Uh, One person just taking this little piece. And I mean, we can put our efforts together and and cover more and produce more if we're working together in harmony. I mean, theoretically, this sounds amazing, but there's a divide. Yes. There's. And yeah, I mean, I would love to think that there's people that help the community for the right reasons, and maybe they're just misguided. How do we connect to them? And your best advice? Uh, one thing I think is to to bring down the apprehension that you're trying to encroach on their territory. Okay. And I think it's a territorial thing. It's like, oh, this is my baby. This is what I've done. This is what I'm trying to do. And and. Yeah, when you're working on something, you don't want somebody else to come in and mess it up. I understand that. It's like too many cooks in the kitchen. If yeah. I'm making peach cobbler, I don't want you to come in and add any extra sugar to what I've already put in there, don't right? <laughs> so, so it's like you. I understand that, you know. But we got to be able to get to a point to where we say, "Hey, you know, what can I do to assist you where you are at?" And then, hey. I need help where I'm at. Can you come help me? I think that's what's missing is the piece of saying, how can we help each other instead of saying, hey, I see what you're doing over there. I like what you're doing over there. Keep doing what you're doing over there because I want you to stay over there so you won't come over here and mess up what I'm doing over here. And and I think that's where we kind of missed the point. But I feel like we're missing something essential. It's the Mm. term community. Community. Yes. Because I feel like I'm, I've been learning more about Peoria, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, not just Peoria, but uh, Washington, uh, Pekin, um, just all over, right? Right. Metamore, I'm learning all these areas. And the same thing keeps coming up. There's this divide. Yes. We want to do great. We want to be a community. Our children need us. Yes, they do. Um, even within, I taught at Peoria Central. The mm-hmm. high school for one year, and then I did a semester at Quest. Um, one of the things I noticed uh, from just watching the children, uh, they aren't. I don't. I don't want to call the kids saying like they're in gangs because they're really not in gangs the way I perceive it. It's more like cliques. Like you got the South Side clique, you got the East Bluff clique. So I think somewhere the adults kind of have that kind of similar mentality this is my area this is my side you're that side you know and and they kind of kind of stay in that lane so to speak mentally and and it doesn't allow them to branch out to to reach out to say hey you know um 
let's come together. I mean, when you say the word community, key word is unity within that. Right. So, <laughs> so, they, so, so they're not getting to that point. Communication leads to unity. And that's the way I think about community. You got to have the communication yeah. that brings you together. You can find common ground somewhere. There needs to be a level of comprehension, too. Mm. I feel like a lot of people, they'll pride themselves on communication. Mm. But when you actually have the dialogue, there's no comprehension rather than going back and forth, learning from each other and learning how to adapt. There's talking points and I've said my piece. Right. And we're going to move past. Yeah. Well, like you said, dialogue, you know, it's two way street, Mm -hmm. right? If you speak, you got to take a turn to listen. Uh, But the key piece of that, like you said, comprehension, I don't know how many people really want to comprehend, you know, it's like, I want you to hear my point. I want you to understand me. I want you to uh, know what my feeling or my thoughts are. And that's all I really care about. Um, It's a personal pet peeve of mine. But uh, I noticed a number of years back, uh, I was teaching uh, my son. I was coaching basketball for my son in the Y. I had this thing with the Y was everybody wins. Right. Everybody gets uh, uh, ribbon, everybody gets trophy. Participation, all participation. That. Yeah, nothing wrong in that. I don't, I don't mind that. But for me, I feel it sets children up for failure because it gives them an expectation of I'm going to receive something for doing nothing, even if I don't give I, my best, even I if agree. I'm not uh, playing at the top of my game. As long as I show up, you're going to give me something. Yeah. I think that mentality has spread into how they live their lives. So now out in the street, you owe me. You need to give me. You need to do this for me. I don't need to do anything for you. I just need to be here. I just need to show up. And I and, and it it hurts the growth in the in how children are brought up and and taught things because now I can go to school as long as I show up I should get an A I should get a B you know uh, as long as I'm in class I'm here you should just give me a grade and that's the mentality that you're teaching them and you're instilling that into them and you're reinforcing it over and over and over again for years so why would you expect a child to put forth an effort you know and they don't think that they have to because you've just taught them <laughs> that they don't need to. You condition them. You've conditioned them to that. Do you see our children in our communities picking up on these things on the divide? They're seeing adults not working cohesively, or are they still kind of in the blind? I. It's a fifty-fifty on that, mm-hmm. uh, and I say it's fifty-fifty because uh, if if you go out and have a simple conversation with some people, they'll say, "Oh yeah, I, I, I see what you're talking about." Okay. Others will be like, I don't know what you're talking about. Don't see it. I think the thing is, is people just wanting to be able to recognize and just be truthfully honest about what it really is and not just kind of dance around it and be like, oh, it's not that much of a problem. It's like one of the things I can say and probably find it in any large city. Black money power. When it comes to spending, you talk about how blacks spend on Nike, on different clothes, yeah, right? Go into any black community, go to the hair store, 
who owns it? Well, most of the time, it's not a black person. Hmm. You can see Asians that will own the wig shops, or you'll see beauty supply stores that have Asian or maybe Arab owned. I'm not saying that they're bad people. I'm just saying the black community, if a black person were to open up that store, uh, one of the issues that we have is we think we should get discounts. You think you should do me a favor. So a, a black entrepreneur doesn't prosper the same because the expectations are different. And so now this black entrepreneur that has tried to open up this business most likely has failed because the black community hasn't supported them the way that they should. Mm-hmm. I don't want to say it's a crab crab in a barrel mentality, I literally was just <laughs> that phrase. But, but it gives you that feel. It's yeah. like, why is it that we can't support our own? How many good soul food restaurants are there in Peoria? None. I have no idea. None that I know of. Send them my way because I've been starving. <laughs> <laughs> Me too. <laughs> That's the thing. It's like I've only lived here three years. You can find a couple of good barbecue places, yeah, but a, a totally really good soul food restaurant. You don't see it here. Has anybody ever had one? I don't know. If they did, why did they fail? Why aren't they open anymore? Yeah. We don't support our own the way we do, the way we should. It's very, oh, because that's a carried adage I've been hearing since Chicago. Mm. Um, like, I'm Latino, Mexican, so I see a lot of my communities where we'll support the local chairs. We'll support Las Mijitas. They're selling tamales on the corner. Mm. We're all about it. But I've been hearing that a lot, that the black community doesn't support too much black owned. Mm. And why, why do you think that is? I I hate to say that it's something that we've been conditioned since slavery, but I get that feel Um, because during slavery, we were always pitted against each other. Now, if some of us are lighter skinned, got maybe treated a little better, or you know, because your master's kids, you got special preferential treatment. So I think that mentality has kind of spread over over the generations and how we see each other, how we deal and work with each other sometimes. So like conditioned through uh, generations. Yes, conditioned through generations. And so with that, it's left us in a position of saying, okay, why do we do what we do? Nobody asked that question. Why do – simple church thing. If you go mm-hmm. into a black church, you might see somebody get up out of the pew – Put one finger up and walk out. Right? I saw that when I was little. Never knew the the meaning of it. Well, when you research it, it goes back to when slaves were in church and they would have to get their master's attention. And so they would have to stick up the finger and get the head nod from the master if it was okay to walk in or out of the service. So that's what it goes back to. But we do it today. You will see people do that today. But do they know why they do it? Most likely not, but we've been conditioned. We've seen it. We've learned it and we've passed it down tradition from family members. Oh, when you get up out, you got to raise your finger before you walk out. But that's why I did not know like that. So, but that's what I mean. I think some of these things we've done, we, it's been passed down for so long and nobody knows why we just do it. And I think today Another thing that I don't like is how social media, how um, you'll see various different things cater to the wrong elements of what we are. 
So, you know, you'll glorify the drug dealer. You'll glorify the gang member. You'll glorify the rap artist. You'll glorify the athlete. Not saying that you can't be a rap artist. Not saying you can't be an athlete. But one in a million makes it there, right? Uh, Not everybody has that kind of talent. No, I'm not saying you should kill anybody's dream. But let's be realistic and have a game plan if plan A doesn't work. Yeah. You know, too many people focus on one thing. It's like, oh, I'm going to be the greatest. I'm going to be the next MJ. Okay, that's nice. But what if you don't make it? What are you going to do? That leads to a lot of yeah. mental issues. I mean, from experience, I was pigeonholed into radio. Okay. And then as we were talking off mic, when the identity I had in this industry got taken away abruptly, it was a full identity crisis. You spoke a little bit off the mic how you kind of had that also. Yeah, huh? And it's just, Yeah. So what do you do? So now I can't do what I want to do. So how many kids are prepared for that? None, I don't think. I mean, I think I shouldn't say none. I don't think Few. adults are prepared for that. <laughs> I mean, we weren't. Right. We went through. We no, ready. I wasn't ready. Um, so when I taught, one of the things that uh, did in my class, I had um, I was teaching applied app- computer applications. Oh, so nice. I had to show them how to use Excel and Word and that stuff. So in the budgeting section, uh, and when we had to do Excel, I did a budgeting class. Okay, so I asked kids, okay, what do you want to have when you grow up? What kind of house, car do you want to drive? Oh, I want to drive a Bentley. I want to drive a Mercedes. I want to drive a BMW. I want to wear some Lululemon. Yeah. Everything that costs money, right? Burlington Co-Factory. <laughs> <laughs> well, that was the I didn't even get there. I said, just tell me what you want. Yeah. Tell me the price tag on that. And so they list it. And then I say, what kind of house you want to live in? Oh, man, I'm going to have me a mansion. It's going to be $1.5 million, two million. Okay, that's fine. It's list it. out. Yeah, <laughs> list it. Okay, so they list all this expensive stuff. I say, so what are you going to do for a job? Oh, I'm going to play in the NBA. No. I said, we're not saying you're going to make it to the NBA. Let's say you get into college, you break your ankle, something, you know, you're done. What are you going to do? Okay, well... I'll go, I'll be, I'll be a manager. Manager of what? What are you managing? Uh, McDonald's. Okay, McDonald's. You can make 6000 a year as a McDonald's manager. Do you think you're going to afford that on 60000 a year? Hell no. You lucky that what do you mean I can't afford that? I said, let's look at the numbers. Mm-hmm. You know, 6000 a year. I said, this is what your house payment's going to be. This is what your car payment's going to be. This is what, you know, the clothes that you want to wear. You want to jet set and go to Punta Cana. You want to go to Cancun. You want all this stuff. I said, this is what this costs. I said, and you haven't even talked about your utility bill. <laughs> you haven't talked about having your cell phone. You haven't talked about this stuff that you got to pay for monthly. Not even inflation. Yeah. <laughs> right. So that eye-opener for some of them because some blew it off but some kids you know like oh man i didn't think about it i was like i really need to make like a hell of a lot of money (laughs) to get that yes you do otherwise you're gonna have to adjust your living style Mm -hmm. to go with what you can afford and so some of the kids i noticed they they took that and they're like okay well i need to rethink this you know and then other ones are like i'm gonna do what i'm gonna do fine you are you're going to do exactly what you're going to do i can't change your mind about that does that ever do you ever feel bad about that or do you feel like you failed i've spoken to other community leaders and they they some of them take that hard 
And others are like, you know what? I've been doing this for so long. I'm kind of numb to it at this point. It still hits me, but I'm still numb to it. Yeah. Like, where are you at with that? Me, in the beginning, I took it really hard. Personal. Because it's like, yeah, I took it personal. Because, like, what am I not, how am I not getting through to you? What do I got to show you? I mean, do I got to tell you some horrific story about somebody's life or maybe some terrible experience I had for you to, for it to click? And you say, oh, man, I need to make a change in my life. <sighs> or is it that you're just not going to get this? Um, how has your parent or parents raised you to the sense of where if I'm trying to share and impart information to you to help you to be a better person, why you are not able to receive it? Mm-hmm. And that's what I had to question myself. Why aren't you able to receive what I'm giving? And that changed my whole thought process about it. Because number one, if, as an example, a single mother raising her kids, doing the best she can do. Yeah. She works a job. She probably gets snap, whatever. She's getting all these benefits. She's teaching and showing her kids that this is how you manage. You're going to have to maintain this economic level in order to get these social benefits so that you can pay for these things unless the mother teaches her children baby don't get in this position get an education better yourself you know strive for more if the mother is not single mother in this example is not doing that then the child thinks that this is the way to live Mm -hmm. and so when you come in and try to tell them there's another way you don't have to do it that way there's still another path you got many choices the child will revert back to what they know and it's like well this is what i know this is what i'm comfortable with and this is what i'm going to stay in Mm -hmm. it takes a a special person to want to break that chain or that cycle on their own because a lot don't they need somebody to break it for them or they need somebody to literally kick them out the nest and, and force them to and so for me i got to the point where i'm like okay I'm giving you this information. You can take it and run with it if you want. If you don't, no hard feelings. I'm never going to be like, I told you so. If it fails, you know, if you come back to me later on, I, I'll be like, hey, how you doing? What's going on with you? You know, oh, not where you wanted to be. Oh, okay. Well, w- what can I do to help you get to a better place? You know, and mm-hmm. and that's what I try to do now. But before, yeah, I would be like, oh, gosh, this is killing me. <laughs> Now, I, I wonder sometimes, like, yeah. I, I've, I've known some families, some parents, two-parent household, or even single-parent, mm-hmm. mother or father, whereas they are working their ass off. They're yeah. going three jobs. They're juggling everything, even mm-hmm. both, right? Everything as best as they can, but life still keeps kicking them in the ass. Mm-hmm. Like, how do we give those families hope? You know what I mean? Because, yeah. like, when you are deep in the pit and you feel like, I mean— that God forgot about you, right? Because sometimes you could you could think you, that you could feel that way. You could feel that. Yeah, it's it's an emotion to have. Yeah. Like, how do we reach out? Because I mean, you're the pastor at St. Luke's, right? Yeah. So this is kind of up your alley, right? Yeah. How do you reach that community member? Like, look, I know it's rough, but please, let me help as best <laughs> as I can. So, uh, because I wear too many hats. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the thing is, is sometimes people aren't ready to receive spiritual. Mm-hmm. So I have to gauge the situation 
where it's at, right? Um, maybe one individual I can come at a spiritual angle and say, hey, you know, where are you at in your spiritual journey? You know, is this a test for you? Or are, are you being tried? Or, you know, if, if you are on a spiritual journey and, and this is not a test, it could be a punishment. I mean, I don't know because I don't know what you've done. I don't know your whole life story. You don't you know, know relationship yeah, with I don't God. Know, yeah, I don't yeah. know your relationship. So it could be either or in that in that category, right? Uh, so I can come at that angle and speak to them to that. Somebody that's not spiritual, though. Uh, then I got to come at them at a different angle. It's like, okay, you're, you're doing all this. You're working hard. You're trying. You're giving your best effort. You don't seem to be making any headway. So now it's, we got to sit down and look at, well, what are you doing? What have you tried to do? And what do you want to do? Mm -hmm. Right. So I'm, I'm looking at it and saying, OK, so you're working a job. Uh, you got a job. You're at McDonald's and you're making uh, $15 an hour. OK, that's one job. What's your education like? Mm -hmm. uh, what what have you learned? Uh, do you have a good work history? I mean, if you want a better job and you go apply, let's say Caterpillar because they hire. Right. You've been at McDonald's for five months. You showed up late half the time, uh, you know, you called in sick, whatever. Yeah. You know, you, you show a pattern of not a good work history. Then when you try to go somewhere else, then the employer is looking at it. You jump from job to job. You don't maintain a job. So why would they hire you? You don't stay anywhere past 90 days. So you have to change that first, mm -hmm. you know, to make yourself marketable. Uh, what skills do you have? Do you know how to weld? Uh, do you know how, how to be an electrician? Have you thought about getting into one of the trades uh, at the unemployment office as a regional manager for employment services? That's one of the things I look at. It's like we look at various different programs to help people find jobs. What do you got to do to make yourself marketable to get the job that you want? You know. Oh, yeah. Yeah, you did hand me three business cards. <laughs> yeah. I you have <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So what what drive? Okay, so I'm looking at Illinois Department of Employment Security, Benjamin Nix, Junior Employment Service Program Manager. That's one half, right? right? PCAF, Peoria Community Against Violence. You are the COD, uh, Community Outreach Director, and now I'm back on the board as board member. And St. Luke Missionary Baptist Church Reverend. Yeah. What makes you want to have out in these three facets and that we have running for office? So you have four things now, right? <laughs> four and this things. isn't even personal life, which you may do to certain children in the community that you reach out and mentor, right? Because right. we all have that within our communities, our neighbors. Right. So what pushes you to be multifaceted and just giving? <sighs> Come well, on, I'm asking these questions, this is, man. This is, this, is, this is the thing. Um, in my life... I have been given a lot by certain, uh, I look at my great grandmother, I look at my grandmother and one of my great aunts, those three women poured a lot into me mm -hmm. as I was growing up. And, and my dad, he, he showed me a lot. Um, so now that I've gotten older and gotten into the ministry, it's like, okay, Lord, there is a lot of work to be done. Where do you, want me to be and how do you want me to operate well one of the day i did one of those and a lot of people 
have done this where it's like, God, I need an answer to a question. And then what they do is like, well, I'm going to open up the Bible and where I stick my finger, I want that to be the answer. I've done this. <laughs> I've done Luke. that. <laughs> right? I've done that. Leviticus. <laughs> so uh, I did that one day and I stuck my finger down. And what's terrible about this is I can't find that scripture. And when I went back to try to find it, I could never find it. But I asked God, I was like, do you want me to be community oriented and mindful about the work that I'm doing? I said, and I opened up the Bible, stuck my finger down. And the verse, the way it read was, yes, if it be so. (laughs) <laughs> so so I'm like <laughs> so I'm like okay I, I got you I got you and so he just said yes <laughs> yeah mm-hmm. so in my mind it's like okay I look at adults and I say if you're open I'm willing to work with you but I really want to focus on the younger people because they in my mind have a little more flexibility and room to grow as you get older, you kind of get a little set in your ways and you're yeah. kind of not as flexible. But when you're younger, you have a little more flexibility because you're a little more open minded. Like, OK, yeah, there's possibility. You know, life hasn't got you yet. got you yet. Right. Some somewhat, somewhat. Yeah. Some have had some terrible things happen to them. And they they do struggle. Mm-hmm. But I look at young people and say, hey, you know what? You have. 30 different roads you could travel down, you know, you know, all these possibilities are laid out there for you. You know, what do you want to do? You, you have options. You really, really do. Oh, no, I can't go to school. I'm not that smart. I can't go to college. Who said you got to go to college? You can go to a trade school. You can, you can get into a trade. You can be an apprentice. You can do this. You can do that. You know, I'm like, you can do other stuff and still make good money. I said, the people that hold the flag on the side of the road make about $20 an hour. You can do that. Oh, really? Yeah. Yes. So it's like, okay, what do I got to show you to open your eyes? I mean, if you don't know something's out there, you're not going to try for it. I mean, you can only try for what you know, right? So a lot of the kids, they only see what they know on TV. They see basketball. They see football. You know, they see the drug dealer. They see see the gang member. Rap artist. Rap artist. That's all they see. And so that's all they know. No, let's set that aside. Okay. If you go to school get an education let's just say a bachelor's you could get a bachelor's in nursing and be a nurse right mm-hmm. nurses make excellent money yeah. as a, and they live pretty good i said you could be a traveling nurse and make more money than a regular nurse that just lives here and they pay you to come to city to city yeah. pay for your hotel stay they pay you your money to work and you get to travel to different places and get to see different things yeah and I then know a couple of friends that did that and they yeah. loved it yeah, it's amazing. And, and my big thing, and I don't push the girls to this as much, but I always tell the guys, I say, if you don't know what you want to do, go into the military for two years. And they're like, why would I do that? I said, it's only two years. I said, you don't have to sign a four-year contract. Just do two. I said, this is why. You're giving two years of your life away, but for that two years, they're going to feed you, they're going to clothe you, they're going to house you, and they're going to pay you. I said, the four things you don't have to worry about. I said the essentials, the essentials. Yeah. Right. I said, so you go into the military for two years, you get paid every day. You don't have to worry about where you're going to live. 
you know, and your check essentially is really all your check because you don't have to pay rent. You don't have to pay utilities because they're giving you a place to stay. Yeah. You don't have to worry about clothes because they're giving you a uniform to wear. So most of that money is yours. Really, all you got to do is buy a cell phone or a car if you want one. Right. Sure. So everything else is taken care of by the military. And then guess what? Huh? You do your two years, sign up for the GI Bill. Now you got money to go to school when you get out. And so. You don't have to pay full price for school because you're getting whatever the GI Bill is now. Um, you know, you're going to get that money for tuition to pay for your school. I said, then and you still get Pell Grant and you still get the other stuff on top of that. So you could probably almost go to school for free when you get out. So all you got to do is two years. I said, is that a problem? To give two years up? I heard they beat your ass, though. Not physically, but <laughs> right. they, they beat yeah. your ass. You know what I right. mean? <laughs> well, but but it's not the same military anymore. And when my son went through, I got a son that's thirty two. Hmm. He's in the army. It's my age. What's <laughs> up? <laughs> right. So my son went into the army. He went to boot camp, and um, when he got out, he was talking about how they have cards. Hmm? So they have these colored cards, and they're supposed to pull out the card out. Like if things are getting too hard or too rough, or the Company, we call them company commanders in the Navy. It was like, if they're being too hard, the drill sergeant's being too hard on you, pull out your card. It's like a timeout card. It's like, I need time. Oh. I'm like, I didn't have that when I went through That's boot camp. That's the thing now? That's the thing now. So it's like, it's Is not. Is that new, new? It's new, new. Very like new. Within a year. Within, yeah, within a couple of years. Because, uh, it had because he went through well that's six years ago he my went through went from the green boot camp and he didn't talk about that no that's army this is army oh, <laughs> oh, <all right. laughs> marines i don't think will ever change <laughs> no they're they from what i've heard they stuck they're gonna away. stay yeah yeah, yeah they're uh, marine strong yeah, yeah. right <laughs> i i couldn't do that when i went into the service i had uh took my asvab test and my recruiter the navy recruiter goes hey go over to the army guy He'll take you out to dinner tonight, take you to the ASVAB, but put down the code for the Navy so I get your test scores. <laughs> so, <laughs> so I got a free meal from the Army, and then uh, I got my score back, and he goes, hey, you got 89. And he said, that's really high. You can pick any job you want. You know? And I'm like, oh, cool. cool. And I said, well, they wanted me to go into nuclear field. And Ooh. I'm like, I don't want to do that. He goes, well, man, they're going to give you a sign-on bonus, and when you get out, you have – nuclear information you can go work at a power plant and all this kind of stuff i said i don't want to do that i said i'm giving my life away for four years i do not want to work hard <laughs> <laughs> so he goes okay so i got an admin job so, <laughs> so that's what i did for eight years you said I just, I, you know why i'm here yeah you I know, know why I'm here. exactly <laughs> let me ask you this question so you named three people who were big members of your uh, your upcoming, right? Mm -hmm. so your great-grandmother, your grandma, your pops. Um, what are some things they taught you that you want to instill into the community? Things that stuck with you that you, you feel are vital to just uh, put forward? My great-grandmother, I would say the key thing is to have a focus. Hmm. Um, my great-grandmother, uh, she was born in 1902. Oh. Uh, my great-grandfather was born in 1898. They got married uh, very young, <laughs> but they lived through the Great Depression. And one of the things that she taught me was uh, through religion uh, is that you have to be focused and stay focused on, on what your goal is. And so that's what she instilled in me, that 
I wish our community would get is we need to be focused on something. Uh, we got different points of view. We all have different perspectives, um, but we can have a consensus on one common goal that we need to work on. Save the community. Yes. That if we can all focus on that, right? Uh, mm-hmm. and, 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 and break that down. It's like, okay, you know, if you got to tell on somebody, if you got to be a snitch, <laughs> I'm sorry, you got to be. Because who's that helping? That's helping the community overall. Yeah. If you get one person off the street, you're helping so many people. Because that one person can affect so many lives. One gunshot, one bullet can take one life, but that one life that's taken affects a mother, a father, a brother, a sister, or maybe a children, you know, aunts, uncles. We're not even talking friends. about retaliatory if that's even on the table. You know? Right. Well, right, because now I'm just talking about one life. But it could, it could but be it, snowball. it snowballs. Right, because like you now that these two gangs hate each other, but it came yeah. from something. It's crazy stuff, right? Yeah. So, so, so you get this kid loses his life. Now their family want to go get the people that shot them, and and mind you. When they're trying to get back at them, you don't know what innocent bystander. Because some of our gun victims that we've worked with in in PCAF have been bystanders. They're not even the intended target. And they've been shot. Becky was telling me this. And injured. Killed. I mean, all these things happen. It's like, and you guys are just going back and forth. It's round robin. Right, I'm going to get you, and now I'm going to come back and get you, and because I can't get you, I'm going to get them, and it, it's crazy, right? Yeah. So, if we can focus on that, it's like think about who you're helping, how you're bettering the community. It's like don't worry about the snitches get stitches kind of thing. It goes beyond that because you're trying. Even if you think about self-preservation, just think about yourself for a moment. If I were to give police information if i were to help uh provide information that could put somebody in jail get somebody off the street that's violent that that has killed somebody or or intends to kill somebody i not only just save myself i save i don't know an unnumbered amount of people because i assisted in bringing some safety and security to our area Mm -hmm. so if we could focus on that that'd be great my grandmother the thing that I got from her is being there. You got to be there. Like you got to be physically present. Right. Um, one of the things she did, I was in marching band and stuff. <laughs> Saxophone. Tuba and trombone. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> so my grandma, she'd always come to my performances. She'd always be there. She'd always make a way. Uh, I think our presence has to be seen and it has to be felt in order for us to, to move forward also, yeah. because uh, it's one thing to give lip service, you know, but to be physically present, to be there, show that you're about this thing. Uh, and I really applaud Carl for that. Carl Holloway. <laughs> yes. He was talking about this. He, he is that, he's that kind of, that presence, that kind of, that's what I'm talking about. You need that kind of guy, you know, somebody that wants to be there that is there, that's physically there, that shows up, does the job, doesn't ask for anything in return. You know, that's what I, that's what the community needs to come together to. We need to be there for each other. 
you know, yes. when things happen, we should be supporting one another. We shouldn't yeah. be like scattering like cockroaches when the light comes on. That's not the way we should be. You know, when things happen, we should be rallying around each other, making things safer, better, secure for everybody. Right. Yeah. And then the third thing I would say, the key thing that I get from my dad is the work ethic. Too many people don't want to put forth the work. It's like, give me the recognition, you know, give me the title, but they don't want to do the work. They don't want to spend the hours. They don't want to uh, spend time out there, whatever. They just don't want to put forth that effort that needs to happen. You know, it's one thing to say, okay, yeah, we need to do this. Okay, great. Now I'm calling on you to do this. Mm-hmm. Where are you at? Well, my kid wants to go to Chuck E. Cheese. Okay, well, can your kid go Chuck E. Cheese tomorrow? You know, or can your kid go Chuck E. Cheese two hours from now? Can you do this? And then you get a lot of, eh, not right now. You get that pushback. Uh, we got to put forth that work ethic and we got to show it and be consistent with it. Not just do it today, one time. Sure. I did my part. You know, I, I'm here today and then never see you again. Yeah. You know, I mean, we got to be able to show some consistency with that. And be you like, know, we're here, we're doing it. It's interesting that you bring up Carl Holloway because he had something about that where there's one individual in the community, I forgot the name, but Big Swole Cat, he doesn't know how to talk to people much, but he'll just show up to the gym and he'll be there quiet. He'll have his arms crossed and if the kids get out of line, hey, they listen mm. and they pay attention. And I remember him telling me about it like, yo, he comes to me every day like, I don't know what I'm doing. He's like, <laughs> you being here, being that authority figure for them is enough. Mm-hmm. It's small things. It's little things we do that can have a big impact. Right. So what things do you guys do at the church that uh, help out with the community uh, at St. Luke's? Well, we've done a number of different things. Uh, each year we kind of focus on something different. Uh, in the past, we've done food giveaways. Uh, we've also done clothing giveaways. Um, it, it just kind of depends on where the spirit kind of leads me to want to focus on. Uh, this year, um, we're giving away clothes again. Uh, we've given away a lot of clothes, actually, excuse me, for to a number of different families and individuals. Um, I think next year, we'll probably focus on food again and, and try to help out in that area. We uh, really want to focus on, in my mind, and I call it, we have to minister to the total man. You have to minister to the physical. You have to minister to the mental and you have to minister to the spiritual right mm-hmm. so spiritual peace i get that sunday come to church or bible study sunday school that's easy the physical is a little harder because some people are prideful they don't want to share i need what the needs are and then some people have no problem telling you what their needs are i need this and i need that and their expectation level is a little different than others uh so Meeting those physical needs, um, clothing, food, trying to direct where to get shelter, those kind of things. And then the mental, uh, which is one of the aspects in the black community that's starting to shift a little bit because getting therapy, getting counseling was not really a thing for us. It's becoming accepted within the last five, six years. Right. So it's turnaround, right? But the problem with a lot of them are, well, I don't see nobody like me, right? 
my therapist ain't black or my therapist isn't somebody that's a minority. It's not relatable. You know, not relatable. So it's like, you know, I, I don't, I'm using this term loosely when I say I don't want to go in to see a Karen, right? Yeah. <laughs> so um, that's one of the things. Uh, my wife is a therapist, so she's she sees this a lot. And she's like, oh, wow, I'm glad I got you because, you know, the last one I had, and then she gets all this information. Yeah. So I mean, I'll be honest with you. I went to therapy, and as a 30-year-old Mexican kid who got told, Walk it off. Mm. Like, even to the point where I was open to my mother and my father about, yo, I went to therapy for my anxiety. Like, I was, it was like, I didn't, it's like I'd rather have the sex talk with him <laughs> than talk about my anxiety and my, you know, my potential depression and things mm. I've emotionally felt. Right. But when I went to therapy, it was an older white lady, you know, she was the only one available, but I just felt she couldn't relate to me. Yeah. So then I transitioned into a younger minority man, a Mexican kid about my age. Who's too young. Mm-hmm. But then I ended up finding a cat that was about 45, 46, who's been through some things. Yeah. And he was able to relate a lot more to me. Mm-hmm. And it's interesting because we do need more people that are relatable and can understand what we go through, not just as men, but as minorities, as individuals in a different type of community. Yeah. Well, and that's the thing. Like you say, it's culturally mm-hmm. to know the cultural aspects of somebody if i walk in and and i'm just being jokeful and playful when i say okay if if i go in and if i have a caucasian therapist you know i can talk to him about green bean casserole for thanksgiving and it would be okay <laughs> right should i put raisins <laughs> in my macaroni these are jokes don't get offended we're having fun yes so <laughs> So, but, it, you know, if, if I ask them, oh, well, I'm sure you had pumpkin pie for Thanksgiving. You go to a black family. Oh, I'm sure you had sweet potato pie for Thanksgiving. Mm, sweet right. Potato. So, I mean, not not like it's a big thing, but it's small things, but it's small things that that it's a different little nuance that yeah. somebody that knows culture that's mindful of the culture. I'm not saying that you can't learn it, you know, but what I'm saying is when you do speak with somebody across the table from you, at least you have some shared experiences. And I'll use a great example. Have you seen Wakanda Forever? Oh, yeah. yeah. All right. So when Namor's talking about... Spoilers. The... <laughs> oh, yes. Now we're good. By the time this episode comes out, they ain't seen it. If you, you haven't seen it, you're, you're, you ain't black if you ain't seen Wakanda Forever by the time this thing comes out. You ain't an ally. <laughs> but there, there's a part in the movie where Namor and Shuri are discussing... The similarities in the scene uh, because she visited, he t- right yeah, she, so so he's talking about the history talking about how they came in the conquistadors came in Spanish, and they took yeah. over mm-hmm. and, and how they enslaved the people and you know that's a shared history with with the black community right mm-hmm. it's like we're not so different right so within that discussion you see where can i find common ground with somebody else you know no, you might be from, I don't know, Germany or something, but there's got to be something within our shared experiences that where we can find common ground, at least have a relatable conversation. Mm-hmm. You know, I might not like raisins in my mac and cheese, but I like mac and cheese, right? <laughs> I like raisins randomly. I'm not going to lie. I like raisins. <laughs> right. It's like, you know, it's like, you know, it's like even people talk about pineapple on pizza, you know? I'm mess with that. I'm not going to lie to you. Right. But what I'm saying is, it's like we like pizza, yeah. 
Okay. You may like pineapple on different I, occasions. T- you're right. I mean, I'm not going to do pineapple all the time, but, yeah. you know. <laughs> so, but that's what I'm saying. It's like, why can't we have those conversations to where we can say, where do we find ourselves that we can agree on things? Which leads me to the city council with the, the people that I had to call out there. It's like, you guys aren't trying to find common ground on anything. You mm-hmm. are sitting in your chairs and you're sitting across from each other. People are dying. They need to find a pathway to change and you're not even trying to find common ground to get on the same path to move forward yeah that's what pissed me off yeah so (laughs) when i was researching i saw this and i highlighted i'm like he said it uh was it inaction ignorance and our inability to move that's the problem and i wonder what the reasoning is behind that Oh, well, that's Come on, I said <laughs> you teed me up. <laughs> so here here's here's the thing. Uh, Cure Violence had requested, I believe it was twenty or twenty five thousand dollars to do an assessment. And the city council had to vote on it to spend this money for Cure Violence to come in, do an assessment to at least start a process to put a plan together to help with the violence in the community. This is a committee to plan a committee for a committee to plan an event. <laughs> yeah, the committee for the committee for the committee, yeah. right? But but the thing, one of the, I'm not going to say who it was, one of the council members had an issue with the word cure. It's like, it's called cure violence. It's not going to cure violence, right? You're never going to be able to 100% get rid of this thing. There will always be violence, but they let's minimize it. with the term? Because they didn't think it could produce curing violence in the city, like so. So, I I have no issue. I, yeah. I I'm not going to argue about semantics. But my thing is, is like, okay, why can't you guys get together and say, okay, let's spend this twenty thousand, twenty five thousand, get the assessment done, know what we need to do, let's get the program in place so that we can at least start to work on reducing the violence in the community. That's all you had to do. Really, literally, vote, say yes, spend the money, have them do the assessment and get the, start the work. But they couldn't do that for months and months. And that's what my problem was. I'm looking at you guys. I'm saying they're ignorant because you're not trying to educate yourself to find out what the problem is. This is a means of education. They're going to come in and do the assessment for you. They're going to tell you not only which police already kind of have the information on where the hotspots are, but they're going to have do an assessment to try to pull in people that will be considered street interventionists and have them help start laying this groundwork to make the change. Mm-hmm. You haven't educated yourself on that. You don't know what this program's doing. You don't seem to care. You're now showing me you're indifferent. If you have indifference towards this, like you don't care, that's a problem because you should care about these people. You're here representing these people. Community. So why are you here? If you're not here to make their lives better, if you're not here to try to talk with the person, you could be Republican, you could be Democrat. I don't care. It don't matter. As long as you can talk and say, hey, this is my point, viewpoint. This is my viewpoint. Okay, so how do we find common ground? And one of the things I like, I've seen the picture where 
you have the two people standing and you see the number in between them and the one person's looking at it, it's a six. The other person on this side is looking at it, it's a nine, right? It's like, but they're looking at the same thing, right? In that conversation, it should be, I see a six, I see a nine. Okay, why do you see it that way? Well, from my perspective, where I'm standing, this is why I see it's a nine. Comprehension. Right. It's like, but you're not trying to share information to even bring somebody along. That that's what my problem with the city council was. It's like you're not saying, hey, especially Miss Denise Moore. She represents the six one, the one hundred five area code area over there, right? Mm-hmm. So nobody's going to her saying, hey, Denise. We know crime is an issue in your area. You know, what do you see or what would you like to see change? How can we put together, formulate a program that's going to help the people in your area? Yeah. You know, it's like nobody's doing that. Nobody's trying to find that pathway where everybody can be on one accord. They're all just, no, nah, I'm over here. I'm good. That was my problem. And that's why I was saying what I was saying. It's like, if you're ignorant, I'm cool with that because you can learn. But if you're indifferent, that means you're not even trying. It means you don't value. You don't, you don't value nothing. Mm-hmm. You value what you value, but you're not valuing this subject. Life or, as a whole. A whole, right. Um, it's, it, 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 that's why I'm running. <laughs> because See, I can see you getting riled <laughs> up right now. I can see you because like when I was reading your bio, right, yeah. Rev, I was reading it, and you clear as that you are passionate about the community. You care. You give a shit about the community. <laughs> like, yeah. excuse my friend. That's right. But what makes you give this much? Like, what makes you have this big of a soft spot in your heart to do something? Because you're doing X, Y, Z, you know, <laughs> St. Luke. PCAB, uh, Illinois Department of Employment Security. You're running for uh, city council. God knows you probably uh, got some more things <laughs> in the works, but why? I, I got, know. I got one scripture. Okay, I'm gonna go to one scripture because you're doing and, a lot. Uh, I think you do. I feel like you, along with. Uh, Kendall, Becky, Carl, uh, people that I've talked to so far. I'm like, y'all are doing the most. I And it feels yeah. like y'all kind of like <laughs> running up against the wall. wall. Yeah. It, it is. It feels like that. Um, there is one scripture. There is one verse. I'm going to look it I up. I should have brought my Bible for you. Been like, I'm, here. <laughs> I'm looking up. I'm trying to look it up in my app here. You know, my uh, best friend, Miguel, he has the, uh, I forgot the Bible app, but he has it. Anytime you'll come over, this man will bust it out. Mm-hmm. He's like, all right, we're reading scripture. I'm like, Doc, we're watching the Bears. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. So, um, this verse in 1 Corinthians chapter 9 and uh, 19. Mm-hmm. It says... For though I be free from all men, yet have I made myself servant unto all that I might gain the more. Um, I've made myself a servant so that I can gain some things. But then if you read down a little further uh, in verse 22, it says to the weak became I as weak 
that I might gain the weak. I am made all things to all men that I might by all means save some. And that 22nd verse is really it for me. It's I got to be what I got to be in order to save somebody. Um, in a couple of verses before, Paul talks about to the Jew, I'm a Jew, Greek, I'm a Greek, whatever, whatever. Uh, but if I got to be a preacher, I got to be a preacher. If I got to be somebody in an unemployment office to help you get a job, that's what I got to be. If I got to be on PCAV to help stop violence and work with people that are dealing with violence, that's what I got to do. Uh, if I got to be on city council, that's what I got to do. I got to find a way to save some, somebody somewhere needs it. And if I'm in the role to do what I got to do to help that, that's what I'm trying to do. So you just feel like it's calling? Like it is a call. I'm called to help. Uh, that I do know. Um, you always had that calling? or like I've always had that. Like you paid attention eventually? Yeah. Well, the thing is, is I've always been hopeful. Mm-hmm. Uh, but sometimes the hopefulness was self-serving, to be honest. You know, I will help you, you know, quid pro quo. Yeah. <laughs> One hand washes another. Um, <laughs> but the spirit of helpfulness has always been within me. Mm-hmm. And so... I've always tried to find ways to be either the mediator, the troubleshooter, um, trying to make things work, trying to make things happen, trying to make things uh, move forward. I've always been in that kind of role. And even in my adult life, it's like, okay, I see these issues. I know I can't fix everything. Uh, but I know I can work towards helping some of these things get better. Um, and if I'm sitting and watching things go bad, I'm not doing my job. Because if I see somebody going wrong and I don't at least try to steer them in the right direction or at least try to keep them from going over the cliff, yeah. then I'm wrong. Because why aren't I helping my brother, my sister? My brother, my sister is whoever's out there that needs yeah. to help. Yeah. You know? If I see you driving over a cliff, why I'm just going to sit there and watch you. I'm not going to try to tell you, hey, stop. Do you know where you're going? Do you know what's over there? You know? Sally, now there's a TikTok. Like, Look at this fool. Get a million views. Now you famous. Right. You know, I, I remember when I talked to Kendall, he said that there was a moment in his life where there was a homeless person and, you know, he offered him something. He drove off and he felt in his gut. He's like, wait. I didn't ask him how he's doing. I didn't give him something to drink. So mm-hmm. he had that moment in his heart where he just felt like God was talking to him. <laughs> yeah. Do you ever have those moments? Like when you have an action or you take a day Man. or you're just like, you know what? Not today, Lord. But then you get the calling. Yeah. You're like, ah, Man. fine. The, I'm the, here. Man, the Holy Spirit convicts, right? Yeah. Um, you, you do the wrong thing. You say the wrong thing. Um, I mean, there's times you can drive down the street, you look at somebody, you see somebody holding up a sign, you'd be like, man, I ain't helping them. You know, and then Spirit's like, no, you need to help them, you know, or you need to speak to them. You need to interact. And and I've had that. It's like, man, I'm too busy. I don't have time. You know, I'm going to be late for work or, you know, I'm late picking up my kids or whatever. And it's like, I don't, I don't have time for this right now. And Spirit's like, no, you do. You know, (laughs) so it's like, oh, man, Lord, why now? It's like, God, 
you know, can't they do this tomorrow? <laughs> it, 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 we do the, I mean, it's human nature. It's like we have our mindset yeah. to do what we're doing. And, and sometimes we don't want to be interrupted. You're human. You, you got, know. you got right. your feelings. You right. got your emotions. It's like, you I got, got that. Days. But it's like, God, why now? Why, yeah. why do you, can't this, can somebody else do it? Yeah. And, and it's like. You have those moments where you're like, Lord, can you call somebody else? Yeah. For I know. Hours? I know. I've done that. It's like, because <laughs> people be looking at me crazy. But sometimes I'm like, hey, look, I said, even David put in the Bible in some of the Psalms, you can read where he said he wanted his enemies to be killed. So, you know, he's but telling God the truth. It's emotion, though. It, right. It's just being human. Uh, we all have those moments. It's like, yeah. Lord, not right now. I don't need this right now. I don't want this right now. I can't do this right now. And it's like, uh, but the spirit tells you and it convicts you. It's like, no, you need to do this. This is your job. This is your calling. This is your duty. This is what I want you to do. This is for you. It's not meant for somebody else because not everything can be pawned off on somebody else. Right. This uh, is <laughs> so, as much as you'd like it to be is like, no, we this is for you. Give some blessings. And right. When we get the call to share and we got to share, we got to operate in that. Hmm. You know? So St. Luke Missionary Baptist Church, yes. you help with clothes drive, food drive. You help the community find the spirituality aspect, right? Right. We got PCAV. Yes. PCAV, trying your best to show up for families that are, you know, unfortunately. Dealing with the violence in the community. Yeah. So you're there. You got the spiritual. You got the physical. Illinois Department of Employment Security, you're helping people figure out the basic levels of how to get around, right? Yeah. What to do, what to research, you teach them things. Yep. Yeah. We do workshops, we do resume writing, interview workshops. Uh, we do job searches. We connect people with jobs. We do referrals. We do all that. So you do all this. You help a lot of people. Besides God, who helps you? <laughs> Besides God, who helps me? Because that, I, 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 if, if I know you a man of God, like I know my best friend, a man of God, Shout out to Miguel, he's listening. As soon as I ask him any questions, like, Lord, anything. I'm like, give me the right answer. Man, but who helps you? Who helps you with your mental health? Uh, who helps you on the days where you feel like, Lord, man, I've given everything in this cup. I ain't got you, nothing. I have my wife. Uh her name is Sparkle Nix. What's up, Sparkle? Uh, yeah. <laughs> so we've been together, married for 10 years. We've known each other longer than that, but we've been married 10 years. Um, oh, so I have her. She she really is my support, you know, because it's like on days she'd be like, how was your day? And I'd be like, yeah. <laughs> She's like, oh, it was one of those days. And then so I can unload, you know, I can tell her the stuff that's bothering me. I can let her know. You uh, know, sometimes she gives me a great perspective, you know, she might slip a little something in there and and have me thinking like, oh, wow, I didn't think about that. You know, <laughs> I tell her, don't try to psychoanalyze me. You know, <laughs> I know you're a therapist by by your job, but, you know, just let me talk. Let me be able to vent and release and get that out. See, that's communication and comprehension right there saying, look, baby, I, I've been through it. I, I don't need you to problem solve. I would like you to listen. Mm -hmm. have, have you found that, like, this is just me as a young man asking questions, but have you found that to be a successful component of the relationship that you're in? Taking them yeah. up and be like, hey, this is what I need. 
Like, it, I don't know. I've it, never really done that much in previous relationships. Well, see, with my wife is different because I can say that and it might not end up that way. <laughs> because, because, love, out of love, love she's like, she's like, well, this is it. I didn't ask you for advice. <laughs> you know, I didn't ask you to. No. Uh, so. Just sprinkle a little love. <laughs> yeah. I just, I just need you to listen right now. Yeah. You know, um, I mean. Yes, for us, communication, we have great communication. You know, she has her moments where she does want to give me information when I do not want to receive it. I, I'm like, babe, I didn't ask you for all that, you know. But um, our communication is great because if I say, hey, this is what I need, she gives me what I need. You know, this, I just want you to listen. Or, or, or if I do want to, hey, I'm going to bounce some ideas off you. You know, I need you to be a sounding wall. How's this sound? How's that? You know, those kind of things. That works, you know. And then it's vice versa. You know, I have moments I got to sit and listen to her. And I'm like, oh, wow. Mm. Oh, okay. Yeah, 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 yeah. You know, and and so we, we, we go back and forth on that. You know, but the key that I think that some relationships and mine – we had we had a couple of rough patches where it was making sure that we were each other's peace, right? Uh, come home, if it was a bad day or had some bad news or bad information, I don't need you, nor do I want you to bring more chaos to me, right? I need you to be my peace. I need you to be a quiet place for me. I need you to support me right now. And... You know, a couple of times there was like when I lost my job and I, we moved, I was not mentally there to be her peace when she had a bad day because yeah. I wasn't in my own peace. Yeah. You know, I'm out of a job, I don't, looking for work. You lost you know, an identity. Right. I lost my identity because yeah. I've been in supervisory management roles and now I'm doing nothing. So I wasn't in a good place to be able to support her the way she needed yeah, to be supported. Yeah. Right. So, you know, we we have to be mindful of those things. You know, it's like, hey, babe, not today. <laughs> you know, I I don't I, I know I have your back, but today I don't, and and I don't because I don't need I don't even have myself straight. You know, so that's gotta be interesting though. Like, okay, the only way I can kind of grasp this as 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 individual as a man, do you ever feel like kind of coming up short when you can't be that? strong individual in a relationship because I know I've been conditioned mm. from different individuals in my life different individuals within my culture and community as the man is supposed to be that strong figurehead you can't be too weak yeah right you gotta, you gotta manage yourself right so but, that's one of the things like um <laughs> I have an eight-year-old son and a 11-year-old daughter and mm. one day they asked me there was a scene in the movie and they were like dad do you cry and my wife answered, and she goes, you're not going to see him cry. <laughs> I mean, and she's right, you know, because in my weakest moment, I'm not going to allow anybody to see me in my weakest moment. And, and she was honest. Cause she's like, he doesn't even cry in front of me, mm. you know. So you hold it in. Yes. And so for, for her, um, the most recent person that has passed was my grandmother she died uh, a few years back my and to you. thank you she 
but she was more like my mom to me. My great-grandmother and my grandmother were more like mothers to me. And so I took that really hard. But nobody ever saw how hard it hit me because when I did release that, I was by myself. I didn't allow my wife to see me like that. You know, she's like, babe, you can let it out. I'm like, no, I'm good. You know, at the funeral, you know, everybody's falling out and I'm sitting there. I'm how, like, I'm good. How do you hold it in? Well, because <laughs> the first time I ever saw my pops cry, brother, I'll be honest with you. It was at a funeral for one of his cousins who he had told me um, was close to him, like a brother, somebody yeah. he grew up with. And he was a firefighter. And when he passed, they had the bag, uh, the um, the pipes, right? Mm-hmm. I forgot what those called. Bag pipes. Bag pipes, right? Yeah. And as soon as the bag pipes hit, my pops held it in. Until that moment, I was right next to him, and mm. I saw him break. Woo! And to this day, it's hard to talk about because I'm mm. like, whoo. Yeah. And I've never seen him like that. Yeah. And that's the same with my dad. I've only seen my dad cry twice. Yeah. And he's 75. And the only two times I've seen him cry was at his mother's funeral and my great-grandmother's funeral. Those are the only two times I've ever seen my dad cry. Uh, now, I've seen my dad in pain because he had a dislocated shoulder, <laughs> you know, but I've never, But he didn't even cry then. But experiencing sorrow, so, true, true sorrow, sorrow is... Right. So, for me, it's like I, I have in myself, and one of the things about me when I was growing up, my parents divorced. Um, well, their divorce was final when I was 12. But when I was eight years old, our family kind of had a neat setup. My, we lived in Iowa. My dad is from Texas, but my mother's side of the family is in Des Moines. So my grandmother's house, my great grandmother's house, her mother, and then our house, we're all right next door to each other. Literally. You had like a little commune. (laughs) (laughs) Right. So we all live literally right next door to each other. And then in my great grandmother's house, I had a great, uncle that lived upstairs with his wife so we all lived right there well at when i was eight years old i started living with my great grandmother because they wanted somebody in the house with her just in case something ever happened so from eight to twelve i lived with her and so i built my relationship with her everything was great my parents were divorced i started living with my dad my dad's one of those workaholic kind of guys you know he's still like that well the thing is is i'm 12 years old we had a two-bedroom apartment. I have two sisters that would come on weekends, and I'm big brother. So I'm cleaning house. I'm cooking, braiding hair you know, for my sisters when they come over. My dad's working. So I didn't see him a lot. We didn't have a lot of interaction, but we had our talks, and we saw each other. And I did yards with him because he worked at the post office and did yards on the side for money. And so what I with my dad— and me in that position, it was like, I'm always on my own. So I didn't have anybody there to, to vent to. I didn't have anybody there to share my emotions with because he was always gone and my sisters were with my mom and I'm here. And so I conditioned myself to just keep everything in because I had nobody around to share it with. So then when I got older, it, I'm still doing the same thing. So my wife's like, well, don't you? No, I'm good. You know, it's like, I'll cry it out by myself. Now, when I'm in public, I'm good because I've already done it. I've already handled it in my own private time on my own. So now I'm in public. I'm good to go. And that's all you're going to see 
is that. Uh, Just keep it moving. Because it, it, one of the things I found, I I told my wife this, and she thought it was kind of weird. But when I was a teenager, I used to have a recurring dream, which was crazy. I had a recurring dream where I was like in a circle of all the people that I knew, right? I'm in the middle of the circle, and everybody was shooting at me. I'm in the middle of the circle. Everybody I know is shooting at me. And and I, as I got older, I went to some therapy, and one of the therapists tried to help me kind of figure that out, what, what was going through my mind at the time, why I was having that recurring dream. One of the things that they drew out was that, number one, I felt like everybody was killing me because of their expectations of what they wanted from me. That was one thing. And then the other thing was the isolation. They pulled out the isolation piece. You know, you feel like you're on your own, even though you're surrounded by people. You still feel like you're isolated, right? So we in therapy right now. <laughs> yes, let's have a therapy session. One hundred dollars an hour, please. <laughs> but I give you some hope. That's the payment, brother. So we can watch a movie together. Right, right, right. So, so what I what I learned from myself is that I have always mentally put myself in a position of relying on myself hmm. and and only looking to myself to to for the support even though I had people around me that I knew supported me I knew loved me my grandmother my great grandmother my dad but I still felt like I was alone and and I've always operated that way my wife has told me she's like why do you act like that? And so when we talked about my upbringing, she's like, okay, I see why you do what you do, but why do you continue to do what you do? And said, so we were together. You can look to me for support. Mm -hmm. And, and in my mind, I still haven't figured out why she's like, well, I can help you with that. And like, no, I don't need no help. You know, she's like, I can do that. And I'm like, nah, that's okay. <laughs> I mean, I'm, I'm really quick to brush her off. And, and well, she's, why is that? I I think because it's like a prior thing, or is it like a look? I know you got a lot on your plate. I can manage this. This is my issue. I love you, but I got this. Some things, some things are only because I truly want to handle them. Some things are like that. Going back to the cooks in the kitchen thing. Um, mm, okay. You know, this is the way I do it. This is the way I want it done. So I'm doing this. Other things that I really honestly could allow her to help me with that I don't know if that's prideful or if it's just conditioning, <laughs> conditioning. But then and, and I think one thing that I really haven't really, really thought about uh, is the fact that sometimes I think I just want to do it myself because I want that time to myself, you know. It's like, yeah, I, it's like sometimes I just want to be alone because I just want to do this. Let me do this by myself. I'm good. You know, just let me be me for a moment. I mean, because when you get married, when even in a relationship, you know, one thing when you're dating, you have your spot. She has her spot. <laughs> you go home until you move in together. Right. Theoretically. <laughs> until you move in together. Right. When you first meet her, you're not 
together, right? You're dating. Unless you go home. Unless you sleep with Crystal in there somewhere. You know what I mean? <laughs> so, Rose so, Court. <laughs> so, <laughs> what's that? Yeah, what's that for? <laughs> oh, my gosh. So it's like, so you have your, so you have your space, right? Yeah. So, and I think in my marriage, I think that's where I find my space. It's like, you know, we sleep together at night. I mean, if for some reason I'm traveling or she's traveling, you know, and we're not together, I have a hard time sleeping without her. You know, I don't go to sleep that easily. I like that, you man. Know, you know, so That's I do good. miss her, you know. <laughs> <They're> <laughs> <It's, proof>. <laughs> <laughs> right? So, but I think sometimes it's just like, you know, because when I come home, I have her, I have the kids, you know, I've been at work at day all day. You or, feel like you're pulled or, from many different yeah, directions. Yeah, I get all this. So it's like, Give me this moment here where it's just me. And then I'll come back to you later. You know, we can watch a movie, sit down and eat, talk, whatever. You know, so that, I think that's what it is more. So it's not that I don't want her to be involved. I just want to do something on my own because I I do find myself spread around doing so many different things with so many different people. It's like, just give me this moment yeah. to be me. And then I can be with you and I can be with the kids yeah. and I can do this and that. We can do family stuff, but give me this five minutes or 10 minutes. You, know? you need that little buffer period between right. being Reverend Benjamin Nix or PCAV or, you know, unemployment before you come home and your husband, father. Yeah. You need that little Yeah, because the drive home is not long enough. Right. <laughs> it's not big enough town. It's not. Well, it's, <laughs> and, then, and then so so like, you know, if I'm driving and then you call. Right. Now yeah. I'm talking to you on the phone. I, I don't even get that time. Right. The silence or the music. <laughs> yeah. I don't, I don't get to listen. Yeah. So it's like, yeah, just give me this. And then we can get together after that. Right. <laughs> just to get to know you a little bit better. What, what's on the playlist when you actually have that minute to yourself? What's the okay, go-to so, artist? I got to ask this one. So for me. I'm a mixed bag, right? Because mm-hmm. told you I'm in marching band. So, gospel music number one. Fred Hammond's my my favorite artist there. Like if you didn't put gospel up there, I'd have questions. You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Fred Hammond's my guy. Um, love Fred Hammond. Now, Is I'll Kirk listen. Franklin up there. Kirk Franklin's in there, um, but I, I love Fred's voice. I love to hear his voice and how he sings and how he how he uses his voice I, I love that um outside of gospel music then i like the old school r&b so i have because uh, i got sirius xm so i got uh soul town on there as Please one of the stations so like we're talking <laughs> teddy p marvin gay yes all that Ooh, Al Green. Uh, yes all that so uh, i listen to that and then i still like symphonic music right uh... so I, i'll listen to that sometimes and uh, like Especially in movies, when I hear certain scores play, and I'm like, "Yeah," and I, I can I got my hand waving. I'm doing the beat. <laughs> <laughs> so, so I'll do that. Do you feel like your eclectic palette with music uh, gives you a broader stroke with culture? Like you're more, a little bit more aware, or like oh. you experience more. It's like when you say, "Hey, read a book, you'll learn more." But for me, I'm a music head. So as I experience more music, I engulf in more culture. Me, personally, I'm a travel freak. 
I mm. like to travel. Um, spent eight years in the Navy, right? So I've been to outside of different places in the U.S. You know, I I've been to Mexico. I've been to the Philippines. I've been to Hawaii. I've been to Thailand. I've been to Singapore. I've been to Hong Kong. Been to Dubai. I've been to Spain. I've been to Germany. I've been. I was stationed in Italy. I've been to Turkey. Uh, oh, wow. Germany, Switzerland. So, I mean, I've been around and then personally traveling, you know, going down to the Bahamas and doing the um, tours down there, cruises. And so I've been a lot of different places. Been all over. Yeah. <laughs> so I I like to experience, right? I want to go, I want to see, I want the smells, I want to see the sights, I want to feel things. Um, that's what I like. And so that's how uh, I like to experience cultures. I want to be there and experience it in person. Now, you read a book, sounds nice, you know, you can get a visual in your mind. It's like, oh, okay, I can kind of picture that. Yeah. No, I want to see it. So experience. when I, so then when I think about it, no, I can actually visualize it. You know, I can, I can say, yes, that's what I saw, you know, or I've seen the Muslim temple in Istanbul. And so, you know, I've been nice. woken up at five o'clock in the morning with the prayer, the morning yeah. prayer, you know, um, you know yeah. it's like, <laughs> Oh my God, what's that? You know? So, you know, I've, I've had that experience. Yeah. And so, you know, when somebody talks about it, Oh yeah, well, no, I know. Because I've been there, I've done that. Yeah. So, so it, that's what I like, you know. So that's what opens me up to n being able to experience and and deal with people on different levels. It's because, hey, you know what? I've been in different cultures. I know, you know, I've been in cultures where you see two men walking down the street holding hands, but they're not homosexuals, right? Mm -hmm. Because in their culture, that's what they do. You know. Mm -hmm. So you see that, and and it's a different experience, you know, yeah. or. You get into a culture where, you, you know, burping's okay. Yeah, you can belch out a good one after you eat, and they're like, oh, it's like a thing you ate good. Chef. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> right. So, so it's those like Italian culture, they like <laughs> they do that. They yeah. do that a little bit, and so you, uh, it helps you be mindful of not everybody's the same, and everybody has different little quirks about how they are or how they live, and so you got to be mindful of that, and so you because of being mindful of that you're open you're not gonna immediately be like ah oh, no nah. no you're gonna be like oh okay that's cool yeah you know, because i know you're different and you're more accepting of differences when you experience different right if so you, you never don't leave have the fear of misunderstanding something no being out of place no hmm, i, I mean because like i know I, I know i'm not perfect hey i'd <laughs> like to be perfect but i know i'm not right so if I go somewhere and I do something, it's like, eh, chalk it up one, right? Huh? It's what it is. But you got to be able to allow other people to have that same thing, right? Mm. You can't be like, oh, man, you wrong for that. Da, 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 da. No, how would they know? If they've never been here, they never experienced, they never learned, right? If they're open to wanting to have that communication, then you should allow them that, yeah. you know? If they don't want to, then that's fine, you know, because some people are guarded. But the thing is, is you have to be open yourself before you can start judging other people and be like, uh, they ain't right. Yeah. How do you know they're not right? Have you even talked to them? Open your heart. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, so. Like 
Well, I've had you for an hour and a half already. Is right? that all it's been? It's been an hour and a half. Before we uh, wrap up everything, yes. all right, I feel like in this hour and a half, we've learned so much about Benjamin X, mm. the individual, right? We've mm. learned you're well-traveled. You have a huge heart for the community. You're, you're impacting community on so many different levels. We figured out that your role models in life, your great-grandma, your grandma, your father, you've experienced mm. a lot. You have a good woman that holds you down when times get rough. Yeah. But you still got that pride in you to be the individual that is set in stone, right? Yeah. If before we head out, what's something you want the community to know about you, the individual, Benjamin Nix? What's something you feel might be misunderstood, might be beneficial for them to know? And we're not going to tie this yeah. to anything, just you, the individual, because right. this podcast is about figuring out. The movies shake things that happen in the community. Yeah. But why? Who are you? What should we know about I, you? I think the thing I would like the community to know about me is, even though I've only been here three years, and I'm, if you want to say, an outsider, um, I'm not somebody that's coming in trying to make waves. I'm somebody that wants to come in and move things forward. I don't want to see people be stagnant i don't want to see us fail you know they say people perish for lack of knowledge let's get educated let's learn let's grow together let's come together let's have the communication that we need to have so we can have the unity that we need to have within the community um i think some people look at people coming in that have a heart and and a desire to do as somebody coming in trying to take their place. And I'm not trying to take anybody's place. What I'm trying to do is bring people together so that we can move each other to a better place because we don't have to stay where we're at right now. We can make this place a better place. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying it's a bad place, but it can be better. You know, I, agree with you. I feel like there's a lot of improvement and I feel like if anybody says they're perfect, they lying to you. Oh yes, that's true. Ain't nobody perfect. <laughs> exactly. I feel like, <laughs> More unity to create the community. You write about that. I like yeah. that. If this episode had a title, it'd be unity within the community. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Uh, we have Reverend Benjamin Nix here. Uh, you are the head yep. pastor? Senior pastor. Senior pastor at St. Luke Missionary Baptist Church. Uh, you do work down at the Illinois Department of Employment Security, the uh, program manager of the Northwest region. Yes. We got that. You are on the board of the CAP, your community against violence, and will be running for city councilman at large for Peoria. All right. We got a lot you're doing, huh? Yes. If people would like to get in contact with you to support, help, come down to the church, help out with PCAP, anything you're doing, if they yes. just want to help, how if, can I get a hold of you? If you just want to help, uh, the church itself is located at 410 South Olive Street and uh you can reach me at B for Benjamin, Nix, N as in Nancy, I-C-K-S as in Sam, J-R at gmail.com. Reach out to me that way. And then uh, if you really, really want to do something with PCAV, we're loaded at 614 Spring Street. We're over there in the office. Uh those are the two spots you can find me at <laughs> or yeah. shoot me an email. I'll get back with you. And then uh, we can find some place to meet up if we got to do lunch, have, have a 
coffee or something, not a coffee drinker. I drink tea. Uh, <laughs> but we can always have what I like to call a belly ship, where we can sit down and eat and have fellowship. So I call it a belly ship. Belly ship. <laughs> I mean, you got me down with the belly thing. I'm like, you on one hey, side. Yeah, yeah, for sure, for sure, for sure. Uh, Reverend Benjamin Nix, thank you so much. This has been another episode of the KZ Community Beat. I'm Ross Martinez. That's Mr. Nix right there. Thank you so much, man. Thank you for um, having me. God is good. Yes, he is. All Stay right. blessed. Let's go. <laughs>